Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Good morning. This is radio station WCBS-FM, New York. WCBS-FM is owned and operated by the Columbia Broadcasting System, Incorporated, with studios and executive offices at 51 West 52nd Street in New York City. WCBS-FM operates on 101.1 megahertz by authority of the Federal Communications Commission, Washington, D.C. you to stay tuned for our 24-hour schedule of programs continuously from now on throughout the coming week. Good morning. This is Steve Porter welcoming you to WCBS News Radio 88. Because of an accident yesterday, an aircraft knocking over our AM transmitter tower, WCBS FM will carry our new broadcasting concept until WCBS AM facilities are repaired. WCBS time is 5.30 in the morning, and weather is behind most of the news this morning, even though the worst of it has finally left the New York metropolitan area. Heavy rain and fog yesterday caused transportation tie-ups, caused flooding, and was indirectly responsible for the destruction of WCBS and WNBC radio's AM broadcasting tower. A small plane groping through the fog yesterday afternoon slammed into the tower, knocking it down and killing at least two passengers. One report says there may have been three other persons aboard the Piper Cherokee, which slammed into the WCBS-NBC tower. The plane wound up in Long Island Sound after careening off the tower. Two bodies surfaced immediately, but police fear more have may, may have been aboard. One of the two bodies recovered has been identified as Ronald Bombalo of Manhattan, Police say he may have been one of a party of four that spent the weekend at East Hampton 
Presumably, the four plus the pilot could have been aboard the craft. According to a report from the company that owned the plane, the aircraft was originally taken without authorization from the LaGuardia Airport. This morning, police say most of the rain accumulations on the highways have drained, but in many areas, giant potholes have appeared and will undoubtedly cause traffic problems. The Brooklyn-Queens Expressway was closed because of giant holes caused by flooding. However, one lane toward Brooklyn is open this morning. We might remind you to be extra careful this morning and look out for those potholes. Flights at Kennedy Airport are reported returning to normal. Many inbound flights were diverted to Boston, Hartford, and Washington last night because of the heavy fog and rain. We'll keep you up to date on the traffic both on the ground and in the air throughout the morning. WCBS time is 5.32. Midtown Manhattan temperature is 70 degrees under cloudy skies, and we're to have clearing weather this morning. The heavy weather over the weekend is also being partly blamed for the loss of at least 15 skydivers over Huron, Ohio. It seems a plane load of 19 men and two women took off from an airport near the Lake Huron community planning to jump from 20,000 feet and land on a private airstrip. Because of heavy cloud cover, the pilot used instruments to find the position for the jump. As the skydivers broke through the overcast after falling over 15,000 feet, they saw nothing but water beneath them. The command to jump, according to Coast Guard officials, apparently was given 8 to 25 miles out over the ocean. Uh, the lake, rather. So far, two of the skydivers have been rescued, two have been found dead, and the search continues for the rest. Coast Guard and police officials are frankly pessimistic about the possibility that any more will be found alive. Coast Guard Ensign Ronald Coonan of Cleveland, Ohio, gave this assessment of the search this morning to WCBS reporter Ed Hanna. Presently, a Coast Guard fixed-wing aircraft, six patrol boats, and the Coast Guard cutter Caw are searching a 64-square-mile area between Huron and Vermilion, Ohio, in the lake. Uh, Coast Guard helicopters are standing by as soon as weather conditions permit. They will be put into the search. Uh, it's impossible to say at this point how long the search will continue. If we could find everybody in the next five hours. We could spend two days. It's impossible to say how long, but someone could have survived. Private air, uh, boats and flares were used throughout the night. The incident is being described as the worst parachute disaster in history. WCBS time is 5.34. The communists in Vietnam launched one of the bloodiest series of terrorist attacks of the war overnight. Highly effective and apparently well-coordinated attacks all over South Vietnam left about 500 civilians dead or wounded. At least four Americans were killed when mortar shells rained down on the major marine helicopter base just outside of Da Nang. 25 leathernecks were injured. Two copters were destroyed and more than half a dozen others damaged. At Hue Nan, the communist blew up a petroleum dump, kidnapped a South Vietnamese battalion commander, and shot some civilians. At Cantu, the Viet Cong mortared a hospital and then went through the wards, murdering women and children. The step up in terrorist activity is aimed at disrupting South Vietnam's first election scheduled for Sunday, our time. News Radio 88 time now is 5.35. There are also these developments in connection with the Vietnam War this morning. Chief of State Nguyen Van Thu says he will be glad to talk peace with individual elements of the Viet Cong.
but he claims such talks will not amount to recognition of the National Liberation Front, the political arm of the Viet Cong. A House committee says this country should take a long second look at its Vietnam policies with an eye toward cleaning up corruption and mismanagement in the U.S. aid program. And Democratic Party leaders from 13 states have given their unanimous support to President Johnson's Vietnam policies. The 13 made their statement in Los Angeles and praised the 20-man commission, which leaves today to observe the Vietnam elections. News Radio 88 time, 536, 70 degrees in midtown Manhattan. Skies are cloudy. Winds out of the southwest currently at 7 miles an hour. And it's to clear today. We may get rid of some of the rain that we had over the weekend. We'll have the full forecast four minutes from now. The search for a teacher's contract agreement resumes today. Negotiators for the school board and the United Federation of Teachers will meet again with Mayor Lindsay's special mediation panel with the hope a settlement will come before Friday. That's the deadline given the panel by Mayor Lindsay for a new contract. The panel's chairman, Archibald Cox, says weekend-long talks produced some progress, however. But Albert Shanker says he still feels the submission of 50,000 teacher resignations will be the only way union demands on salaries and classroom conditions will be met. Senator Robert Kennedy will be among those appearing in support of a new Truth in Lending law at an all-day hearing starting at 10 o'clock this morning at New York's City Hall. The hearings are expected to produce support for a House bill which would prohibit garnishment of wages and require that loan companies, banks, and merchants publish exactly what total interest charges will be. News Radio 88 time, 537. A reminder now that... Most of the rain has left the highways in the New York area. However, we had some heavy flooding overnight, and uh, many streets have potholes in them. A note from the police that the Brooklyn-Queens Expressway was closed overnight. However, at the moment, one lane toward Brooklyn is open. There are quite a few potholes in the uh, street because of construction work going on, and we might remind you to be extra careful, particularly on the Brooklyn-Queens Expressway. Rap Brown, free on bail of $15,000 here in New York, turned up in Detroit last night, just five weeks to the day of the beginning of the Detroit riots. He told a screaming crowd to start shooting white people and stop looting. And he said that the Detroit riots look like a picnic when compared with what is coming. Police kept a discreet distance from the crowd. There were no incidents However, a couple of news cars were pelted with rocks. The newsmen inside were not injured. An Arab Leaders' Summit Conference opens in Khartoum, Sudan tomorrow. The aim is to formulate policy among Arabs toward Israel since the Mideast War. However, it's reported that divisions among Arab leaders may diminish the effectiveness of that meeting. An example is a report that Algerian President Boumediene is reluctant to attend the conference in the Sudanese capital because he's afraid moderate leaders will dominate policy decisions. And then there are the questions of oil shipments to the West and whether or not the Arab countries would prepare for another attempt to crush Israel. A woman accused of filing perjured affidavits in connection with former Teamsters boss Jimmy Hoffa's third motion for a new trial will go to trial in Chattanooga, Tennessee Federal Court today. Mrs. Katherine Johnson and a 17-year-old juvenile 
have been charged with claiming that federal marshals paid them to have sexual encounters with members of the jury in the 1964 trial of Jimmy Hoffa. The former Teamsters chief is currently serving eight years sentence at federal penitentiary in Lewisburg, Pennsylvania. The United States Parole Board is reportedly prepared to deny Hoffa a, a parole after serving at least eight years, although he should be eligible for parole within four years and seven months. News Radio 88 time is 5.40, and here's a look at the weather. Here in midtown Manhattan, it's cloudy. The temperature is 70 degrees. Humidity is 90%. Winds out of the southwest at 7 miles an hour. The barometer reads 29.86 and is rising, and the THI is 70. Here's the forecast, and it's good news. Partial clearing this morning, partly sunny and less humid this afternoon. The high in the 70s. Chance of a few showers again this evening. Tonight's outlook, partly cloudy and cool, the low 55 to 65. Once again, in midtown Manhattan, the reading is 70 degrees. The THI is also 70, and the pollen count, as compiled by the Long Island Jewish Hospital, is 2. News Radio 88 time is 540. Let's have a look at the sports picture now. Here's Pat Summerall. Pat, good morning. And good morning. First of all, let's check on baseball. The Yankees beat the Washington Senators at D.C. Stadium 8-2 to as Tommy Trash drove in four runs, and Ruben Amaro drove, uh, got in uh, his first home run of the year. Fritz Peterson, the winning pitcher, number five for Fritz. The Yankees play the Boston Red Sox, and that has to be one of the big stories in sports, the Red Sox. That's tonight at Yankee Stadium. The Mets, meanwhile, lost at Shea Stadium yesterday to the Cubs 7-2 to in a game that was called after seven innings because of rain. They were supposed to have played two. The Mets now move on to St. Louis to take on the league leaders in a doubleheader tonight. Meanwhile, the Minnesota Twins are back in first place in the scramble in the American League, but just barely. This time, the lead is one percentage point. Minnesota beat the Cleveland Indians yesterday with home runs from Rod Carew and Ridge Rollins, solid pitching by Jim Merritt, and a great catch in center field to rob uh, Joe Askew of a home run by Ted Ulander. Meanwhile, the Boston Red Sox split with the Chicago White Sox. Boston won the first game 4-3 to three with the help of two home runs from Carl Yastrzemski, number 33 and number 34 of the year for Yaz, to tie him for the league lead. The White Sox won the second one one to nothing behind Gary Peters. Winning run scored on a bases-loaded walk to pinch hitter Rocky Calavito, and that contest went 11 innings, and Peters pitched all the way. The fourth-place Detroit Tigers, meanwhile, lost some ground by dropping a 2-1 to decision to the Kansas City Athletics. Both the Kansas City runs scored on a home run by Ramon Webster. The standings at the top of the American League now look like this. Minnesota in first by one percentage point over the Red Sox. Chicago is one game out. The Tigers are one and a half games off the pace. The fifth place California Angels are six and a half back after being rained out of a doubleheader yesterday in Baltimore. In the National League, the lead-leading St. Louis Cardinals rallied for five runs in the third inning, beat Los Angeles 6-2. to two. The San Francisco Giants and Atlanta Braves split a doubleheader. The Giants won the opener 2-0 on a five-hitter by Mike McCormick, who posted his 18th victory of the year. In the second game, Cleet Boyer's home run ended a string of 25 scoreless innings for the Braves, led them to a 4-1 victory. Tommy Harper and Pete Rose each drove in three runs as Cincinnati beat Houston 11-8. Tony Taylor's two-run triple led the Philadelphia Phillies to a 2-0 victory over Pittsburgh. Game shortened to four and a half innings by rain. The victory was the seventh in a row for Philadelphia. If you've been listening to us for the last few days, you know we've been wet up at Westchester Country Club. I guess there's some things that uh, money can't buy. One of them is good weather. 
That's the world's richest golf tournament, the $250,000 Westchester Classic. We will be back up there again today uh, with live reports this afternoon. And Mason Rudolph uh, had a 67 yesterday to go with the 66 of the first day, and again it was rained out. And Mason, uh, I talked to right after he finished his round and after it was rained out a little bit later on, was pretty frustrated. That's the sports story. Pat, can I ask you, sure, uh, do you think the, uh, the rain had a lot to do with the scores? Well, I think uh, some of the golfers were probably more concerned about what was going on with the rain and, and played and didn't waste nearly as much time, and probably some of them uh, didn't think so much about the shots and did score a little bit better, maybe. <laughs> a couple of other things, if I may, Steve. Uh, right. Two exhibition football games. First of all, an encouraging note for the Giants, who beat Minnesota yesterday 21-3 to for their first uh, victory of this uh, preseason. And the Los Angeles Rams beat the San Diego Chargers 50-7. to and the Denver Broncos came from behind with the last period touchdown and beat the Oakland Raiders 21-17. to There's an exhibition game tonight, and that ought to be a honey, too. The Green Bay Packers against the Dallas Cowboys in the Cotton Bowl. We'll be back about 6.15. It's all yours, Steve. Right, Pat. It's 5.44, News Radio 88 time. And this is News Radio 88, WCBS-FM, New York. And as we've been saying all morning, it has been a wet weekend. If you've been in New York all weekend, you know what it's been. And uh, once again, a reminder that the Brooklyn-Queens Expressway has only one lane open this morning, and that one lane is uh, the lane that's headed toward Brooklyn. If you're trying to come the other way, you'll find your way blocked because of potholes caused by floods. There are quite a few other potholes and streets throughout the metropolitan New York area this morning as a result of floods, so be extra careful as you drive. News Radio 88 time is 5.45, and we might as well find out now just exactly what we have in store as far as the weather is concerned. Let's go to the WCBS News Radio 88 Weather Center and Gordon Barnes. And Gordon... The big question is of the day is, is the sun going to come out? Steve, it finally looks like we're going to get a break. Uh, what we in meteorological terms call a cool front, which is actually a line separating uh, somewhat warm, moist air from cooler and dry air, went through the city about 5 o'clock this morning and will continue to move eastward, reaching the eastern end of Long Island about uh, noon today. Actually, listening to uh, Pat Summer all over the weekend, I had to somewhat sympathize with he and also Mason Rudolph shooting uh, some good scores there for a couple of days and simply have them uh, washed out. Maybe we'll have better luck today. There are a few patches of ground fog in Nassau and Suffolk counties, also Fairfield County in Connecticut. And those of you who will be venturing into the city will be happy to know that we expect the sun to be shining throughout most of the afternoon. It'll be less humid and high temperatures in the 70s. But we have to throw one little curve in there and that there is still a remote chance of a few light showers around sunset this evening. But at this point, nothing to interfere with that golf tournament up in Westchester County. And as far as the boating forecasts are concerned for the day, generally southwesterly winds, 10 to 15 knots. And that's the latest we have over here at the Weather Center, Steve. Uh, Gordon, can I ask you, uh, why did we have all this weather uh, yesterday when we expected partly cloudy weather? Uh, generally because the frontal system that was located uh, well to the west of us came through about uh, 12 hours earlier than anticipated. And yesterday morning when that uh, sun finally broke out, it added heat to the atmosphere and uh, there was also an abundance of moisture at the upper levels. 
and this touched off what we call convective heating. In other words, it's the same as the uh, ingredients you add to a cocktail shake, and when you shake it up and down, it really uh, uh, stirs everything up, and this touched off the thunderstorm activity. Well, I hope everything is settled now, and as you said, we expect a fairly nice day today with the possibility of clouds. We'll be getting back to you later in the morning. Uh, as far as the traffic is concerned, uh, mostly it's all due to the weather. In fact, uh, East 51st Street between 5th and Madison Avenue is closed today. And uh, a reminder again that the Brooklyn-Queens Expressway has only one lane. That lane is in the direction of Brooklyn. If you're trying to travel from Brooklyn to New York, you'll find your way blocked because of potholes in the street, and that, too, was caused by the rain. New York City police have set up radar units on the Pelham and Hutchison River parkways in the Bronx, on Grand Central Parkway and North and South Conduit Avenues in Queens, on the Belt and Ocean Parkways in Brooklyn, and on the Droomgoogle Boulevard on Staten Island. Alternate side of the street parking regulations are in effect today. Now, checking mass transit this morning, early commuter trains are on or close to schedule. Path subways are operating normally. No unusual delays to report on the city subways, and Staten Island ferry boats are on time. Conditions at the three major airports are good this morning, and operations are normal with less than 15-minute delays on arrivals and departures. News Radio 88 time, 548. Temperature in Midtown Manhattan, 70 degrees under cloudy skies. Although, as you heard Gordon say, we do expect the skies to clear this morning. Right here, an audio preview of today's television highlights. A sample of mixed media as WCBS News Radio 88 takes a look at your home screen. At 1 o'clock this afternoon on Channel 5, the premiere of a news information program called The New Yorkers, hosted by Sonny Fox and Penelope Wilson. Their special guest, New York Senator Jacob Javits. At 6.25 this evening on Channel 9, the baseball game between the New York Mets and the St. Louis Cardinals from St. Louis. At 8.30 on Channel 7, a special that asks, Do Blondes Have More Fun? Subtitled, Blondes and the Way America Sees Them. Special guests include Al Cap, Anita Luce, and Myrda Manns. And at 9 o'clock on Channel 13, the Net Journal telecasts film on the plight of Arab refugees of the Arab-Israeli War. At 9.30 on Channel 2, another preseason pro football game, as you heard uh, Pat mention a moment ago. This one's between the Dallas Cowboys and the Green Bay Packers at Dallas, and that should be a real wing-ding because, as you remember, they were the two top teams last year. At 11.15 tonight, the second of today's two new shows on Channel 5, a variety talk program with Woody Woodbury. And at 11.30 on Channel 4, the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson playing host, to Twiggy, among other guests. And to mix another medium, here's a glance at some of the movies to be seen on television tonight. At 6 p.m. on Channel 7, Yellow Sky, with Gregory Peck, Ann Baxter, and Richard Widmark. At 11 o'clock on Channel 9, A Star is Born, with Judy Garland and James Mason. At 11.30 on Channel 11, Legend of Love, at 12.45 a.m., if you're a real late-stayer-upper on Channel 2, Affair in Havana, starring John Cassavetes and Raymond Burr. And at 2.20 in the morning on Channel 2, Curtain Call at Cactus Creek with Donald O'Connor. News Radio 88 time now is 5.50. Jim Harriet on WCBS News Radio 88. 
Mobility gives News Radio 88 a big edge. The flight is in WCBS News Radio 88, mobile unit number one. Proceeding north on Henry Hudson Parkway. This is Jack Cavanaugh in WCBS News Radio 88, mobile unit number two. We're in Journal Square, Jersey City, but right now... This is Dick Gilbert in helicopter number one. Rio Force, helicopter number two. Two cutting, reporting from Bridgeport. We're a major industrial city. This is John Anthony reporting to WCBS News Radio 88 from Roosevelt Field, Long Island. Mobility and flexibility. Those two words best express why WCBS News Radio 88 is like nothing you've ever heard before. 5.30 a.m. to 8.10 p.m., Monday through Friday, right here. News Radio 88 time is 5.51. Temperature in midtown Manhattan on a cloudy morning, 50 degrees, with the weatherman predicting uh, clearing skies today, mostly partly cloudy throughout the day with the possibility of showers again come the evening. Police are searching waters of the Long Island Sound for possible additional victims of yesterday's private plane crash. It's known that two persons were killed when a one-engine plane crashed into the WCBS-AM radio transmission tower. But officials now say there may have been three more people on that plane. Police think those aboard may have been part of a group that spent the weekend at East Hampton, Stanley Leonard, an official of the company that owns the plane has told WCBS Radio that the craft definitely was flown by unauthorized persons. Leonard says someone just took the keys out of the office. The crash knocked WCBS AM off the air, but efforts are underway to resume normal broadcasting. The transmission tower, which is also used by radio station WNBC, is located on High Island near City Island in the Bronx. Nineteen skydivers parachuted into Lake Erie near Huron, Ohio yesterday. There are only two known survivors. Two others are known to have drowned in the choppy waters. Fifteen others are still missing. One of the survivors is 29-year-old Robert Coy of Springfield, Ohio. He told WCBS radio news reporters what happened after he jumped from the plane and first realized he was over water instead of land. As soon as we came out of the cloud cover at 4,000 feet, I seen the water, and I knew we were over the lake. You know, my guy, you know, I was just flabbergasted. I couldn't believe it. And, you know, uh, and then I seen the shoreline, so my immediate reaction was to open my parachute. I opened a little high, uh, roughly probably 3,000 feet, and I seen the shoreline, so I thought I would open as high as possible, hoping the wind was blowing in towards shore and would blow me as far in towards shore as possible. And uh, I immediately started preparing to uh, get out of my gear and get ready for the water. Uh, and I unfastened my helmet and all my gear and uh, just left one strap on my leg there to hold me in the parachute till I hit the water. And as soon as I hit the water, I, I ejected that and jettisoned all my equipment and hang, hung onto my reserve parachute, which floats for a while. Robert Coy, one of the two survivors of that mass parachute jump into Lake Erie yesterday in which two persons are known dead and 15 are still missing. Coy was in the water for about five minutes before a nearby boat picked him up. Two U.S. Marine bases in South Vietnam have taken a heavy pounding from communist mortars and rockets. Ten Marines were killed and 106 were wounded in the raids, and 12 helicopters were destroyed or damaged. The attacks were against Leatherneck bases in the northern part of South Vietnam. They followed a series of mortar shellings throughout South Vietnam yesterday, which killed or wounded more than 300 people, and most of them were civilians. 
News Radio 88 time is 554. Temperature in New York City, 70 degrees. South Vietnam's chief of state, Nguyen Van Tu, has offered to talk peace with Viet Cong leaders under certain conditions. Tu said that while he still refuses to recognize the Viet Cong, he would meet with its leaders as individuals. Tu indicated that the communists would have to initiate a request for such a meeting, a prospect considered highly unlikely. The prominent Americans, 20 of them, chosen by President Johnson to observe South Vietnam's elections, leave the United States today for South Vietnam. The observers are to be permitted to travel freely in secure areas of the country to keep tabs on the South Vietnam September 3rd balloting. That's Sunday, our time, Monday, South Vietnamese time. The New York City Council opens hearings this morning on a bill designed to help the consumer. It's taking up truth in lending legislation, which would require banks and stores selling on the installment plan to clearly state their terms. Incidentally, the City Council's list of witnesses includes Senator Robert Kennedy of New York. H. Rapp Brown is scheduled to speak again today in Manhattan. He's due to appear at a news conference at the National Mobilization Committee to End the War in Vietnam. Speaking in Detroit yesterday, Brown told a crowd of 3,000 Negroes that rioters in Detroit, in his words, did a good job. Well, the city is drying out from yesterday's rainfall, 2.12 inches worth. And besides ruining a summer Sunday and a Saturday as well, the downpour snarled transit and caused power failures. A scheduled concert by Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass in Central Park's Sheep Meadow went on last night. 6,000 loyal fans turned out in the rain for the free event. A reminder that rain has caused quite a few potholes in streets and roads around the New York area this morning, so be extra careful. Uh, one note we might make is that the uh, Brooklyn Queens Expressway was closed last night, and then early this morning, one lane was open. That lane runs from New York to Brooklyn. If you're coming the other way, you'll find your way blocked this morning. News Radio 88 time is 557. Midtown temperature, 70 degrees. Now a report on an electronic breakthrough, a revolution as big as a bread box. It's known as electronic video recording, EVR, a set of initials likely to become increasingly familiar in the years ahead. EVR will allow home television sets to play back motion pictures and other visual projections for the first time. Developed by Columbia Broadcasting System, the device will become available early in 1969 in England and soon thereafter in the United States and elsewhere. It's expected to cost, at first, about $280. EVR consists of a playback machine about the size of a bread box and can be inserted or removed from a playback machine in much the same way that long-playing music cartridges are now handled. The cartridge can be played through any number of sets simultaneously and can be stopped at any point for display of a still frame and requires no darkening of the room where it's used. It is in field of education where EVR's major impact is expected to be felt first. It will permit a teacher to play film at any time and as often as he wishes instead of at the fixed times now dictated by closed circuit or educational television systems. And what makes EVR revolutionary is its size and adaptability. Until it was perfected, the only alternative was videotape, which must be played through expensive equipment at television studios. 
When EVR is marketed, it will cost about $7 to $14 for a film cartridge, which will provide up to an hour of black and white programming, about a half hour of color material. The cartridge will measure about 7 inches in diameter. The result of years of research by CBS Laboratories, EVR is today's electronic revolutionary and tomorrow's electronic commonplace. 6.59 here in Midtown Manhattan, it's cloudy. The temperature is 70 degrees, the humidity 90%, winds out of the southwest at 7 miles an hour. The barometer reads 29.86 and rising, the THI is 70. Weatherman says partial clearing this morning, partly sunny and less humid this afternoon, the high in the 70s. Chance of a few showers this evening, tonight's outlook partly cloudy and cool, the low 55 to 65. Right now in midtown Manhattan, the reading is 70 degrees, and the pollen count as compiled by the Long Island Jewish Hospital is two this morning. We want to remind motorists now driving in Brooklyn and Queens of several major road closings. First, in Brooklyn, the northbound lanes of the Brooklyn-Queens Expressway are closed from 46th to 61st Street because of flooding and washing out of the road surface. That's northbound on the BQE from 46th to 61st Street. And in Queens on the Long Island Expressway heading into the city, the right-hand lane is closed because of holes in the road surface left by the rain. So drive carefully this morning both to and from work. This is News Radio 88 WCBS FM New York. Parachuting disaster on Lake Erie. As many as five feared killed as a light plane hits the WCBS radio tower. And a wave of terrorism in Vietnam. Good morning, this is Charles Osgood, News Radio 88. Boats and planes and helicopters are searching the waters of Lake Erie this morning in an effort that becomes more and more hopeless with each passing moment. To find survivors from the worst parachuting disaster in history. An experienced party of skydivers, 19 of them, jumped from their plane at the wrong time and they came down 10 miles from their target into the waters of the lake. Two bodies have been recovered, 15 men are still missing. Only two survivors have been picked up. One of them was Robert Coy, who had jumped 261 times before. I wasn't familiar with the area at all, uh, but the fellows up there said that we were jumping, uh, oh, I think it was approximately 10 to 15 miles inland. You know, so there was no problem with the lake. The reason we were over Lake Erie, uh, I couldn't tell you. And they just opened the bomb bays and gave the signal for us to go, and we all went. Of course, we couldn't see anything. There was a layer of clouds from about 4,000 feet that uh, was to 6,000 feet. And uh, as far as we knew, why we were all right and over land and over the airport, or close by. Robert Coy, one of the only two skydivers known to have come through that disastrous jump, all of the skydivers were from Ohio. Yesterday afternoon, as a thunderstorm was dumping all that rain over the New York area, radar operators at LaGuardia Airport were watching the blip of a light plane making a long approach to the field. Shortly after 4 p.m., the plane disappeared from their scopes. A few minutes later, the single-engine Piper Cherokee smashed into a radio transmission tower on High Island in Long Island Sound. At least two people were killed. There may be three other passengers on that plane. A search is going on. The plane crashed into the water. The radio tower was demolished. It was the AM radio tower for station WCBS and also for WNBC. Those stations were immediately knocked off the air. Tom Herzog, the caretaker of the WCBS transmitter, was there at High Island when the plane hit the tower. You know, it was raining cats and dogs, and I was just standing in the house looking out one of the windows. 
and I heard the motor of a uh, plane, and uh, all of a sudden it, the, uh, the engine just cut out. And I heard this terrific impact, and I realized that the plane uh, flew into the tower. So uh, I said to my son, my wife, and mother-in-law, I says, get down flat. I says, the tower is coming down. And uh, my son says, oh, you're kidding, that was lightning. I says, oh, no, it wasn't. So, uh, of course, within seconds, he was convinced because there was just sections uh, dropping all over the place. Tom Herzog, the caretaker of the WCBS AM transmitter. There were two bodies recovered from Long Island Sound. Three other passengers may also have been in that plane. WCBS radio will operate on FM until such time as auxiliary transmission can be put into operation. The time, three minutes past six o'clock. Communist guerrillas in Vietnam have launched a wave of terrorist attacks aimed apparently at ruining the upcoming South Vietnamese elections. There was a mortar assault on the huge U.S. helicopter base at Marble Mountain. Four U.S. Marines were killed. Nine helicopters were destroyed. The runway was torn to pieces at Hoi An, 340 miles northeast of Saigon. U.S. Marine medics looked up from their patients to find guerrilla terrorists charging them inside the hospital. One American was killed there, 17 government soldiers, nine children. One of the terrorists who was killed turned out to be a 12-year-old boy. All in all, in these attacks throughout South Vietnam, more than 500 South Vietnamese were killed or wounded, seven Americans were killed, and 103 were wounded. In South Vietnam, it's generally believed that Chief of State Nguyen Van Thieu and Premier Nguyen Cao Ki are shoe-ins for president and vice president in those elections on September 3rd. Nevertheless, there were rumors around that Key had threatened that he might stage a coup if his ticket should lose. Key was the guest on the CBS News broadcast Face the Nation yesterday and insisted that that's not what he said at all. If true and wicked election and a bad man elected and that the future government cannot fulfill the aspiration of the people. I'm sure the people will stand against such government. And I will stand with the people. Premier Key saying that if a bad man, as he calls him, is elected through a rigged election, that he will stand with the people. As far as the war is concerned, Premier Key said that he thinks that things are going better now, and for now he doesn't need any more American troops beyond the ones that President Johnson has already promised. I think for the present time, yes. But at the same time, we are going to increase our own strength. I think after the, the, the election, if we win, and then we are going to take new measures to improve the armed forces, both in quantity and quality. Premier Key was also asked whether he thinks North Vietnam should be invaded by land. He said no. New Jersey Senator Clifford Case had something to say about corruption in South Vietnam on the Channel 2 Newsmakers broadcast. Senator Case said the reason that the South Vietnamese don't seem to pay any attention to American demands that they straighten up and fly right 
is that they feel they don't have to. They have felt secure and able to go on doing what they wanted to and making the money on the side while American boys were dying uh, uh, and, and, and running their old system of cliques and, and family and tribal relationships and all in the old-fashioned way without regard to how the people of South Vietnam felt uh, because they thought we were going to have to protect them anyway in what they did. Now, we have to make it clear that serious as it would be if we withdrew, uh, and, and, and a real failure in, in American policy and in, and in American conduct of foreign affairs. Nevertheless, if they are not going to change and do their job, then we will withdraw now rather than later, because we can't succeed unless they do change. That's the whole point. Senator Clifford Case of New Jersey on WCBS-TV yesterday. The American Civil Liberties Union says that the gravest threat to American civil liberties is the war in Vietnam. The ACLU annual report says that reaction against war protests is the greatest current threat to liberty. Incidentally, the report says that there has been a 31% jump in membership in the Civil Liberties Union in the last 18 months. Georgia's governor, Lester Maddox, wants to put prayer rooms in the public schools of his state, and he would like to see a constitutional amendment permitting prayer and Bible reading in the schools. Maddox says, quote, God isn't dead. He isn't even sick. Every American high school student should learn to speak Chinese. That's what Congressman William St. Onge thinks. St. Onge is a Democrat from Connecticut. He says he's going to put in a bill in the Congress to provide federal funds for high school Chinese studies. St. Onge says the reason is, quote, China is no longer a sleeping giant, but a force in being which can no longer be ignored, unquote. In Minneapolis, Ralph Humphrey died last night. He was Vice President Hubert Humphrey's brother, the one who ran the family drugstore. The Vice President was there at St. Barnabas Hospital in Minneapolis when his brother died. It was cancer. Ralph Humphrey was 62. Senator Robert Griffin of Michigan says that he's going to sponsor a resolution in the Senate this week pushing the idea of a nuclear water desalting plant in the Middle East. It's not a new idea. However, Senator Griffin says that he thinks it's a good one. Each desalting plant would produce as much fresh water as the Jordan River is able to produce right now. And water, of course, is one of the big sore points in the Middle East, one of the reasons for tension. It's a problem where to get it. It's a problem who owns what precious water there is. The National Security Agency, the super-secret code-breaking agency, says it needs and wants a new incinerator. All the trash there is top secret and has to be burned every day. The present incinerator burns up 18 tons of trash every 24 hours. But that's not enough, according to NSA officials. They say they want a million dollars to buy another one. The tri-state weather here in Midtown Manhattan, it is cloudy right now. The temperature is 69 degrees and the humidity is 90%. Winds are out of the southwest at 7 miles an hour and the barometer is 29.86 and steady. And the THI, the temperature humidity index, is 69. The time, nine minutes past six o'clock. The forecast, partly clearing this morning, partly sunny and less humid this afternoon, with a high in the 70s. There's a chance of a few showers this evening. Tonight's outlook, partly cloudy and cool, with a low from 55 to 65 degrees. And repeating the current mid-Manhattan reading, it's 69 degrees. The pollen count, as compiled by Long Island Jewish Hospital, is two. Because of the rain that we had over the weekend. There are problems on the roads. We will get to those just a couple of minutes from now. Uh, there are certain roads which are 
closed and some which are partially closed because of holes in the road caused by that rain over the weekend. At the moment, it's 10 minutes past 6, and here to talk about sports is Pat Summerall. Right, Charles. For years, you might recall, it was the National League that had commanded the pennant uh, chase and commanded all the interest at this time of year, but that's not so this year. Let's just examine the standings, first of all, in the American League before we get to the scores. In first place today, the Minnesota Twins, one percentage point ahead of the Boston Red Sox, and then seven percentage points behind the Red Sox, and one game back on the Chicago White Sox whose manager, Eddie Stanky, says they will win no matter what happens to the rest of the teams. And then five percentage points behind them are the Detroit Tigers, a game and a half back, so 13 points, percentage points, separate the top four teams. Now, let's check the scores from yesterday. First of all, the Yankees had a good Sunday and beat the Senators at D.C. Stadium in Washington. Tommy Tresh drove in four runs, and Ruben Amaro hit his first home run of this year. Fritz Peterson won his fifth game. Yankees return to the stadium tonight for a game with the Red Hot Red Sox. This will be, by the way, the first stadium appearance for Elston Howard since he was traded to Boston. A wet Sunday at Shea Stadium. Banner day it was. At least it was supposed to be. The Mets and the Cubs were scheduled for two. First one went seven innings. It was called because of rain. The Cubs won it three to one. Second game also washed out. The Mets now go to St. Louis for a twinighter with the league leaders in the National League, whose lead is now ten and a half games over Cincinnati. Other scores, first in the American League, Minnesota six, Cleveland three. Boston and the White Sox split. Boston won the first game four to three as Carl Yastrzemski homered twice. Numbers 33 and number 34 for Yaz. Chicago won the second game in 11 innings. Chicago won Boston nothing. Gary Peters pitched all the way for Chicago. Kansas City 2, Detroit 1, and California and Baltimore was postponed because of rain. National League scores, St. Louis 6, Los Angeles 2, San Francisco and Atlanta split. The Giants won the first one 2 to nothing as Mike McCormick won number 18. Atlanta 4 and San Francisco 1. Philadelphia 2 and Pittsburgh 1. That game called after 4.5 innings because of all that rain. Cincinnati 11 and Houston 8. There are some things, as we said earlier, that money can't buy, and the Westchester Golf Classic has been uh, the most plagued by rain of any time. The only golf tournament, by the way, that's ever been called off because of rain is the Houston Classic of two years ago, where they finally just had to leave town and uh, come back later on and play. Mason Rudolph, uh, again, had a good round yesterday up at Westchester. He had a 67 to go with opening day 66, but all that... And all of the good rounds and all of the bad ones, too, were washed out because of rain. They'll try it again today to get in the second round. We will be up there again, Charlie, uh, bringing you live reports from on the spot. Uh, today's uh, will be the second round, and weather permitting, tomorrow will be the third round. And the final will now be held on Wednesday. It was supposed to be yesterday. Pat, imagine what a, what a frustrating thing it may must be to uh, shoot a good round and then have the thing washed out. That's happened to more than one player up there, hasn't it? Oh, yes. Sam Sneed uh, lost three strokes by the rain yesterday. And for a man who's 55 years old uh, to walk around that rain, it's got to be a little taxing. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if he can come back. Rudolph has had uh, an opening day 66, and then he came back with a 69 that was washed out and then came back yesterday with a 67, which again was washed out. So as you say, it's got to be frustrating. Uh, Charlie, there's one preseason football game that we don't want to forget about that will be on tonight, televised by CBS Television, Channel 2 here. The champion Green Bay Packers and the Dallas Cowboys. Game time is 9.30. And that's just about it. We'll see you in about 30 minutes. Very good, Pat. And of course, later on, you will be going up to the Westchester Country Club where every hole is a water hole. <laughs> the time is uh, 12 and a half minutes after, make it at 13 and a half minutes after 6 o'clock, in the top stories of the news uh, this morning, uh, 
19 parachuters, skydivers, uh, jumped yesterday from a plane going into what they had thought was going to be a skydiving target. Instead of that, the plane was over Lake Erie, unbeknownst to anybody, including the pilot and those who jumped. Uh, two survivors only have been picked up, and two bodies have been found. There are 15 of the skydivers who are still missing. We'll continue in just a moment with News Radio 88. Want to know about a good place to eat without spending a fortune? Then join me, Myra Waldo, for What's New in Restaurants on WCBS News Radio 88 weekdays. Here in Midtown Manhattan, it's cloudy, temperature 69 degrees, humidity 90%, winds out of the southwest at 7 miles an hour, barometer reads 29.86 and is steady, THI is 69. Partial clearing this morning, partly sunny and less humid this afternoon, high in the 70s. Chance of a few showers this evening. Tonight's outlook partly cloudy and cool, lows 55 to 60. Checking temperatures around the tri-state area, Bridgeport 72, Kennedy 70, Lakers 68. Repeating the current mid-Manhattan rating 69 degrees in the pollen count as compiled by the Long Island Jewish Hospital is 2. This is News Radio 88 WCBS-FM. Right here, a look at the news before it happens. It's quarter after six right now. And here are developments to watch for, stories which will be unfolding today. The New York City Council will hold a hearing in an effort to go to bat for the consumer. And we'll hear testimony on a proposed truth in lending bill. The measure would assure accurate statements of terms when consumers borrow money or buy on the installment plan. There's an all-star lineup of witnesses. Senator Robert Kennedy is one of them. State Attorney General Louis Lefkowitz is another. And City Council President Frank O'Connor is another. Negotiations between New York City and the United Federation of Teachers are due to resume this morning at 10 o'clock. Archibald Cox, the head of Mayor Lindsay's special mediation panel, says that some progress was made in contract talks over this weekend. The Defense Department is expected to announce its decision today whether George Lincoln Rockwell can be buried in a national military cemetery. Rockwell, the American Nazi party leader who was killed Friday by a sniper, was a Navy aviator. Rockwell's Nazi group hopes to bury its founder at the Culpeper, Virginia National Cemetery. But the veterans of foreign wars have protested. In another development, Rockwell's accused assassin, John Patler, is scheduled to appear at a preliminary hearing in a Virginia court. His attorneys say that he will plead not guilty to that murder charge. Washington's eyes on Saigon, leaving for South Vietnam. Today is the departure day for the group of 20 prominent Americans chosen by President Johnson to observe the South Vietnamese election. The delegation that will watch over the September 3rd balloting includes government officials and representatives of labor, business, and organized religion. 17 minutes after 6 o'clock. H. Rap Brown will be back in town today. He's scheduled to speak at a Manhattan news conference being held by a group called the National Mobilization Committee to End the War in Vietnam. Speaking in Detroit yesterday, Brown told a crowd of 3,000 Negroes to, quote, get yourself some guns. Another long debate is expected to begin at the New York State Constitutional Convention. Under discussion this time, the proposal for free higher education for all New York State residents. And Greenwich Village residents, grab your brooms. Bring them to Washington Square Park at 6 o'clock this evening because that's when the neighborhood folks plan to begin a volunteer cleanup of the park. It's a party day for poor New York youngsters who are given jobs for the summer in the Urban Core program. A party marking the closing of the program is scheduled for the Wolman Rink in Central Park at 1 o'clock this afternoon. 
And the list of speakers for that includes Mayor Lindsay and Senator Jacob Javits. Mayor Lindsay has said, incidentally, that he hopes that such programs as the Urban Corps program can be continued so that they won't end when the summer ends. A very special anniversary is going to be celebrated in Nebraska. It was 50 years ago today that the Reverend Edward Flanagan opened Boys Town. He did it by borrowing $90 and renting a house. Today there are 900 boys at Boys Town, Nebraska, about 10 miles from Omaha. The youths are all orphans or they come from broken homes. During the half century, about 15,000 boys have found homes in Boys Town, and most of them have left with a high school diploma. In honor of the anniversary, Paolo Cardinal Marella, the Archpriest of St. Peter's Basilica in the Vatican, will celebrate a Mass at Boys Town. Eighteen minutes after six o'clock is the time. It's cloudy in midtown Manhattan. The temperature is 69 degrees. Time now for an early morning break, the lighter side of life, and a look at the day's less weighty items. In England, Mrs. Ruby Martin has discovered that, uh, discovered what the real meaning of flower power is. A London housewife, Mrs. Martin bought a few plant seeds a while back, requesting something miniature in size because her garden doesn't, uh, isn't big enough. She has to do with a flower box. Well, today, Mrs. Martin is the proud possessor of a plant that towers like Jack's beanstalk, looks like a tomato plant with dahlia flowers, and is nicknamed Fred because, says Mrs. Martin, it's behaving so grandly I can't call it it. Fred now measures more than eight feet tall, and Mrs. Martin has taken to watering it, uh, him rather, from her second floor bathroom window. Also in London, a cleaning establishment has responded to the miniskirt revolution with the mini price. It says it will clean miniskirts for two pence an inch, slightly more than two cents, or 35 cents for a conventional 15-inch miniskirt, if there is such a convention. In France, the latest in op art from a chef named Louis Brondolo. He bakes his own recipes on canvas. Brondolo says it's as simple as making meringues, but his technique remains a secret. So far, he sent six of his baked artworks to a gallery in fashionable Deauville on the Normandy coast. And like a good cook, he has confidence that the public will ultimately acquire a taste for his work. And in Durham, New Hampshire, a Soviet scientist has told the 56th Annual Poultry Science Association Convention that his country is working on a two-year laying hen and already has increased egg-laying life to 18 months. That's an average of 397 eggs a hen. Today's lighter side of life, a breakfast omelet, if you will. 20 minutes after 6 o'clock, Again, it's cloudy, the temperature is 69 degrees and the humidity 90% in midtown Manhattan. The forecast, partial clearing this morning, partly sunny and less humid this afternoon with a high in the 70s, a chance of a few showers this evening. The outlook for tonight, partly cloudy and cool, the low 55 to 65. And as far as the pollen count is concerned, Long Island Jewish Hospital says that the pollen count is two, which is low enough so that it should not bother anybody. The big stories in the news... An air and water search is underway for 15 skydivers missing after a premature jump from a plane over Lake Erie. Two other sportsmen were rescued off the Ohio shore and the body of two others recovered. The Pentagon may rule today on whether slain American Nazi party leader George Lincoln Rockwell can be buried in a national cemetery. At least 500 persons were killed or injured in a series of Viet Cong raids aimed at disrupting South Vietnam's September 3rd election. The dead include seven Americans. Firefighters in Idaho report terrific progress in battling forest blazes sweeping areas of that state. 
But the fight goes on against timber fires in Montana, California, Washington, Oregon, and British Columbia. Some of those fires in the Northwest are described as the worst that anybody can remember. One man was slightly injured when a two-engine plane carrying 13 passengers was forced to make a pancake landing in a harbor at Situate, Massachusetts. Because of the difficulty with the WCBS AM transmitter caused by an airplane accident, the planned start of the Young Sound morning program on WCBS-FM with Wally King as the host has been delayed. The Young Sound morning show will start at 6 a.m. each Monday through Friday as soon as repairs to the WCBS-AM transmitter have been completed. Twenty American leaders picked by President Johnson head for Saigon today and their mission is to observe the final week of South Vietnam's election campaign. It is going to be a big, important week in South Vietnam's history. And it's also turning into a bloody one. The worst Viet Cong terror campaign of the war already has left more than 500 dead and wounded, and the Viet Cong attacks are continuing. Today, the communists attacked the U.S. Marines' biggest helicopter base in Vietnam, the giant marble mountain compound near Da Nang. Four Marines were killed in the rocket assault, and nine helicopters were destroyed. 23 minutes after 6 o'clock. In Washington, the subject of corruption in Vietnam is continuing to draw strong criticism. Two congressional investigators have written Secretary of State Dean Rusk on the matter. Their message is that unless South Vietnam cleans up graft and mismanagement in its American aid program, the United States should reassess its position towards the Saigon government. The call came from Democrat John Moss of California and Republican Ogden Reed of New York, who've been investigating the aid program for the past two years. Urgent efforts resume today to ward off a threatened strike that could tie up the nation's auto industry and perhaps even cause harm to the U.S. economy, as a strike most surely would. For a late report on the status of the negotiations, here is Dave White in Detroit. The week of the showdown is at hand in the slow-motion contract talks between the automotive industry giants and the United Auto Workers Union. And without saying so, both sides are girding for a strike, hard on the heels of the September 6th expiration of current agreements between the Big Three and the UAW. There's no prospect the union will be satisfied with the economic counteroffer to be presented by General Motors tomorrow and Ford and Chrysler soon thereafter. Nor are the companies prepared to accept the $4 an hour package of union demands for increased pay, wage parity for Canadian workers, guaranteed income, pension improvements, and fringe benefits. The UAW Executive Board will look over the company offers, then will pick a strike target by Thursday. Union President Walter Ruther, whose aides are drafting strike plans, will head a top brass bargaining team to the target company for head-knocking marathon meetings certain to last until the strike deadline and possibly longer. This is Dave White in Detroit. Planes, helicopters, and Coast Guard cutters are sweeping the windswept waters off Lake Erie this morning, but there is little hope that they will find what they're looking for. Fifteen skydivers are missing and believed to have drowned in the lake. The bodies of two others already have been recovered from the waters. It is the worst disaster in parachute history. Nineteen skydivers jumped out of a converted B-25 bomber over the lake yesterday. Only two are known to have survived. Two bodies have been recovered. Hearings on a federal truth in lending bill opened this morning at New York City Hall, and Senator Robert Kennedy is to lead off testimony in favor of that bill. In remarks prepared for the hearing, Kennedy says the bill is needed to prevent the exploitation of the poor. And Robert Kennedy warns that resentment against such exploitation is one of the causes of riots. 
The bill would require banks and merchants to make it clear in advance what total interest charges are on loans and merchandise bought on installments. This morning's hearing opens at 10 o'clock this morning. New York City Council President Frank O'Connor and State Attorney General Louis Lefkowitz also will testify, and both of them will also testify in favor of the bill. President Johnson's proposed tax increase is running into still more opposition in Congress. Senator William Proxmire, the chairman of the Joint Congressional Economic Committee, this morning joined the list of critics of the proposal. He says Mr. Johnson could easily trim his budget request to avoid a tax increase. Senator Proxmire adds that neither the president nor his advisors have yet made a case for a tax increase. Hearings on the matter continue today before the House Ways and Means Committee. 26 past 6. Fresh from a brief trip to Detroit, SNCC leader H. Rapp Brown returns to New York this morning. He's scheduled to speak at the Overseas Press Club at 11 o'clock. This time, he'll be addressing a news conference of the national mobilization to end the war in Vietnam. In Detroit, yesterday, Brown said the Detroit riot five weeks ago would, as he put it, look like a picnic compared to what will happen when Negroes get organized. Tri-state weather, here in Midtown Manhattan, it's cloudy. The temperature is 69 degrees and the humidity is 90%. Winds are blowing from the southwest at 7 miles an hour. The barometer reads 29.86 and steady, and the THI, the temperature humidity index, is 69. The forecast, partial clearing this morning, partly sunny and less humid this afternoon with a high in the 70s, and a chance of a few showers this evening, just what we need. Tonight's outlook, partly cloudy and cool with a low 55 to 65. Repeating the current mid-Manhattan reading, it's 69 degrees, and the pollen count as compiled by Long Island Jewish Hospital is 2. 27 minutes after 6 o'clock. The following streets will be closed today in Manhattan. East 51st Street between 5th and Madison Avenues. Also in Brooklyn, the Brooklyn-Queens Expressway is closed northbound from 46th Street to 61st Street. The only uh, open in one lane southbound. That's, that is to say that uh, the Brooklyn-Queens Expressway is closed northbound and southbound is open in only one lane from 61st Street to the Kosciuszko Bridge. New York City police units have set up radar units on Pelham and Hutchison River Parkways in the Bronx, Grand Central Parkway and North and South Conduit Avenues in Queens, the Belt and Ocean Parkways in Brooklyn, and on the Drumgoole Boulevard on Staten Island. Alternate side of the street parking regulations are in effect today. Now checking mass transit this morning, commuter trains are on or close to schedule, path subways are operating normally, there are no unusual delays to report on the city subways, and Staten Island ferry boats are on time. Conditions at the three major airports are good this morning, and operations are normal with less than 15-minute delays on arrivals and departures. And this note for motorists driving into the city this morning on the Long Island Expressway. The right-hand westbound lane from 46th Street to the Brooklyn-Queens Expressway is closed because of holes left in the road by last night's rain. That's the right-hand westbound lane from 46th Street to the Brooklyn-Queens Expressway on the Long Island Expressway closed because of holes left in the road by all that rain last night. We'll be checking within the next uh, little while with the WCBS Weather Center uh, to find out what the, what the story behind this tremendous rain over the weekend and what we can expect in the next couple of days. And also we'll be going up to the WCBS helicopters to find out what effect all this weather is having on the traffic this morning. The time is 29 minutes after 6 o'clock. This is Charles Osgood, and this is News Radio 88. Here in Midtown Manhattan, it's cloudy. Temperature 69 degrees, humidity is 90%, winds out of the southwest at 7 miles an hour. 
The barometer reads 29.86, steady, THI is 69. Partial clearing this morning, partly sunny, less humid this afternoon, high in the 70s. Chance of a few showers this evening, and tonight's outlook partly cloudy and cool, lows 55 to 65. Checking temperatures around the tri-state area, Bridgeport 72, Kennedy 70, Lakehurst 68. Repeating the current mid-Manhattan reading 69 degrees, pollen count as compiled by the Long Island Jewish Hospital is two. This is News Radio 88, WCBS-FM, New York. President Johnson begins his 60th year, hearings on air safety and congestion, and South Vietnam's draft dodgers. President Johnson has begun his 60th year, and is reported serene this morning, convinced that his policies, both domestic and foreign, are sound. The president is in good health. Mr. Johnson expressed thanks for his health yesterday as he quietly celebrated his 59th birthday. Mrs. Johnson and daughter Linda were at the White House. Daughter Lucy was in Texas with her family, but she phoned her birthday greetings to the president. In the nation's capital today, both houses of Congress open hearings on the problems of air safety and airway congestion. A House subcommittee will concentrate on air safety, and on the Senate side of the Capitol, a panel will focus on the bottlenecks in the airway system and the crowded airports. Lobbies representing all segments of civil aviation, but the passengers are poised to tell Congress that solutions are urgently needed. The big question is this, who will pay for the solutions? Prime Minister Key of South Vietnam says South Vietnamese draft dodgers will be in uniform and fighting for their country after the first of the year. Key says this change will occur if his running mate, Chief of State Nguyen Van Thieu, the military candidate in the September 3rd presidential election, is the choice of the voters. Key made this pledge yesterday on WCBS-TV's Face the Nation. Key said it was not right that young Vietnamese civilians should be filling the movie theaters and the nightclubs in Saigon, when soldiers from the United States and other allied nations, in Key's words, are fighting for us and risking their lives for us. Key also says the elections will be free and fair. He said charges of rigging are nothing more than campaign tactics. And Key denies that he is a mysterious personality. He said there is nothing mysterious about him, that he is simply a patriot. Jackie Robinson, the first Negro to play big league baseball, wants it understood that he disapproves and rejects the views of Negro extremists. Robinson, now the chairman of Harlem's Freedom National Bank, was interviewed on WABC-TV's Youth Wants to Know. He was asked to comment on white liberals who've been turning away from the Negro civil rights cause because of Rap Brown, Stokely Carmichael, and the rioting in Newark, Detroit, and other cities this summer. They were never really in our corner in the first place. If they use any of these little excuses to, to say that if it wasn't for Paul, if it wasn't for Dr. King State, if it wasn't for Dr., uh, uh, Stokely Carmichael, I would be in there fighting. I think this is just an excuse for their real feeling to come out because how in the world was the same percentage of Negroes we're talking about in Vietnam, can we say, can we say that uh, we will deny the masses of the people their rights simply because three or four individuals or a thousand individuals do certain kinds of things. We don't go around blaming all whites because a speck kills eight nurses out in Chicago or there are other murders or, and there are other acts of violence. We don't, we don't condemn all white people and we resent the fact that regardless of what happens, everybody condemns us. You can't 
constantly hear that uh, Cassius Clay didn't go in the army, and they blame all Negroes because Cassius Clay didn't go in the army. And this is something, there are a lot of whites who have refused to go in. A lot of whites who are tearing up their draft cards. But Negroes don't go around condemning, and I think it's high time that the white masses understand that, that, that we have good, we have bad, just as you have good, you have bad. Jackie Robinson, it's 633. Militant SNCC leader H. Rap Brown, just back from a rip-snorting speech in Detroit, turns his attention to the Vietnam War in a few hours. Brown is scheduled to speak at a news conference called by the National Mobilization to End the War in Vietnam at the Overseas Press Club in Manhattan. Yesterday in Detroit, the Negro militant voiced his approval of the actions of those who took part in the recent rioting in the Motor City. Brown said what happened in Detroit was a picnic compared to what he claims will happen after Negroes are armed and organized. State Senator Seymour Thaler of Queens has charged that there is profiteering brought on by the Medicare and Medicaid programs. Thaler was interviewed on News Radio 88's Let's Find Out. It would appear that Medicaid has caused an increase in the cost of eyeglasses ranging anywhere from 100 to 300 percent. Under Medicaid, an ophthalmologist who is an MD who examines eyes for a simple eye examination which leads to prescription gets $20 per patient. Now, I'm told that before Medicare and Medicaid, the average fee was about $10. Now, at the present time, even the private patients are being forced to pay more because when they object, the doctor points to the Medicaid fee schedule and he says, well, I'm getting for poor people $20. I certainly am entitled to it from you. State Senator Seymour Thaler on Let's Find Out last night. What killed Brian Epstein, the discoverer and manager of the Beatles? An autopsy is expected to be ordered in London, and the Beatles have reached the British capital, and they're reported to be in a state of shock. Epstein was found dead in bed yesterday. In New York, Epstein's American attorney, Walter Hoffer, says that Epstein had hepatitis eight or nine months ago. Epstein was a millionaire. He had made himself and the Beatles millionaires. He was a bachelor, and he was 32. The Columbia Broadcasting System has announced a revolutionary electronic device. It will allow the playback of motion pictures or other visual material through a conventional television set. The new device is called Electronic Video Recording. It is scheduled for world marketing in late 1969 or early 1970. The device involves the use of a 7-inch cartridge of special film. CBS says it can be inserted or removed from a playback machine very easily, and the playback machine can be put on top of a television set. 24 minutes before 7 o'clock. WCBS News Radio 88 is on the air this morning, but the radio tower used by WCBS is out of business. The 480-foot tower on High Island in the Bronx was struck and put out of commission yesterday afternoon by a single-engine Piper Cherokee plane. The High Island tower was used by... T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.